Hi, and welcome to Veterinary Vibes, a podcast where we vibe so you can thrive. I'm your host, Garth Robillard, and today we're sitting down with Justine Cooper, a second-year veterinary student at Western University of Health Sciences. While she's on the path to becoming a top-notch general practitioner with an interest in dentistry, she also has a few intriguing quirks up her sleeve. When she's not buried in textbooks, you'll find her hanging out with her feline friends, showcasing her improv talents on stage, and indulging in some therapeutic painting. Beyond her diverse interests, Justine is a fierce advocate for mental health awareness. Her recent ADHD diagnosis has been a game changer, transforming the way she views her mind and the world around her. Today, she's here to share her journey through ADHD and neurodivergence, shedding light on how these aspects shape her life within and beyond the world of veterinary medicine. Sit back, relax, let's have a good time. So Justine Cooper, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. Cool. So let's get into it. So growing up, did you always have a passion for vet medicine or did you notice it develop over time? Yeah, I I actually had a passion for vet med when I was little. I uh, like to write stories a lot. And there was one story that I wrote in the fifth grade called Work, Work and More Work. And it was about this woman... It's about this woman who is basically me, but I was in absolute denial that it was me. And she, the premise of her was that she worked all the time and she had three jobs that in my mind were mind-blowingly unbelievable to do. Like you, you couldn't have these jobs normally. And so she was a vet, a dentist and an artist and in my mind I was like there's no way like nobody in this earth can be those three things I'm like I could have picked so many other things right like you could be a vet dentist and paint on the weekends boom which is probably what I'm gonna be yeah (laughs) but I remember writing that because I was like, oh, this is this is probably what my life is going to be like. Like, I'm going to be really busy. I'm going to work with animals. I'm interested in teeth. I love art. I have, like, a lot going on in my left brain and my right brain. And now looking back at it, it's like, oh, yeah, this girl has ADHD for sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you had two brains. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that that's incredible, though. Like, you manifested your own destiny. What age were you when you did those stories? Like nine or ten. Nine or ten? Mm-hmm. You were very cognizant of like crystal ball or something, didn't you? You had one of those like magic eight balls that you shook and it like told you yes, no, or try again later. Honestly, I feel like it was part of the neurodivergence where I just had this idea and I was going to do it. Like I had this idea that I was going to work with animals and look at teeth and yeah. paint on the weekends and try and stop me was like my attitude for a while that's like uh steve Irwin and rachel mcadams from the notebook right that right. combination <laughs> getting to <laughs> <like>, your level <laughs> well, that's crazy so going i know we say neurodivergent what does that even mean yeah that's a great question because i mean i could pull up like an actual definition mm. but i feel like in my own words, neurodivergence is, it's almost like your brain is special and not in like a, 
oh, like you're special in like a condescending way, which sure. is like unfortunate when people kind of talk about it that way. But it's almost like I like to think of it as different parts of your brain are heightened and like extra spicy. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> like if we're talking about colors and like being saturated, like my brain has more saturated colors yeah. than a normal person. Yeah. But I feel like it's hard. There are some times where I don't always relate to neurotypical people, which is people who don't necessarily have like a neurodivergent disorder or syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes causes a divide. So I think I think that's a that's a great um, definition, a self definition of of neurodivergent because when I think about it, I do I do think about it, but I, I think about it in a little bit different way, like compartmentalizing. Like I think that the brain is like a bunch of different little compartments, right? And like a lot of people will open one compartment in the brain and utilize that one piece, whereas like a neurodivergent person is opening like three or four different compartments and like maybe opening them up a little further or like opening them at the same time and you're having like trouble harnessing in on one of those compartments each time. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost feels sometimes like society only wants you to open one compartment at mm -hmm. a time or you're supposed to train yourself to only open one compartment at a time. Like I think of like a desk job. Sure. Like you're supposed to sit at that desk and you make a phone call and then you end the phone call and write in your notes about it. And then you pick up the phone and you make another phone call and that's your day. It's mm -hmm. like those three steps. Right. And that's my worst nightmare. Yeah. You're like, you're making that phone call, but like to the side, you have a hot plate going with like some chow mein or something. Yeah. And yeah. I'm <laughs> thinking about what I'm going to binge tonight on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Too hot to handle. We already know. Oh, Absolutely. What? what, what? Wait, we're going to see what we watched. So, I'm, I'm binging euphoria again. It's oh happening. No. It's you fell into the euphoria bubble? I did. I already fell into it once and we're back. Mm. We're back. Zendaya has a grip on me you and I enjoy it. Euphoria. I don't know why they didn't name their second season that. It would have been smart. That's fine. They're not neurodivergent, so they wouldn't know. Right. So that's, I think that's a, that's a great explanation for people that don't really interact with the neurodivergent mind every day you know not everybody has it but a lot of people do have the mindset and are unaware that they have it or are unaware that other people around them have it so i love that you're able to explain that in a way where we can easily digest it and it's not like this crazy in-depth scientific definition that you guys could probably look up online so when did you find out that you were neurodivergent well there's a self-discovery aspect to it and then there's an actual diagnosis mm -hmm. so in terms of when i started to self-reflect and think about okay am i neurodivergent um do i have adhd like something's going on here that probably happened around the pandemic i would say because i i had all this extra time to think about myself yeah um i had never thought about the way that my brain worked like that. I think another part of it had to do with the fact that I was in my senior year of undergrad and I went from having probably one of the best, like I, I was having one of the best years of my life in terms of all my friends were around and I was comfortable with who I was. Like I had already come out to people and I was dating my girlfriend at the time and 
everything was amazing. My life was like on track to be exactly what I wanted it to be. And then the pandemic happened and it felt like everything kind of came to a screeching halt in terms of my social life. Like I never got to say goodbye to my friends. Um, the last time I saw them was before spring break in March of 2020. Never saw them again, um, a lot of them, because when I went back to Gonzaga, I went to school at Gonzaga, by the way. Mm -hmm. When I went back to Gonzaga, it it's like a ghost town. There was nobody there and everyone was gone. Nobody wanted to come back because a lot of people were scared about getting sick. Mm -hmm. And so I was cooped up in a room all the time thinking about life, thinking about school and the schooling that I had to finish for that April and May of my last two months was on Zoom. Mm. And... Having class on Zoom was one of the worst experiences I've ever had, mm -hmm. especially with ADHD. And at the time, I didn't know I had ADHD, but it was so hard to focus because you're supposed to focus on this little rectangle in front of you with a little person talking in a tinier rectangle in the corner and you're supposed to pay attention to the most boring explanation of iron and oxygen binding. <laughs> and there's like a dog running in the background and it's raining outside and someone's like in the fridge over here on the side. And that's like my worst um, nightmare in terms of trying to focus. And after enough of that, I was like, okay, maybe it's me. Yeah. Maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> so um, I remember thinking about it for a while. But yeah, I remember I was scared to get a diagnosis because it just felt like everything was going to change. Like up until that point, I was normal and I fit in. I didn't have this label that made me different from everybody. And once I got that diagnosis, I I was different, man. And... I already, I already knew I was different, but I just didn't want someone to tell me that. I, I didn't want somebody to tell me that I wasn't similar to my friends and I was going to struggle in school, even though I already knew that. And it wasn't until it started to affect my work um, because I became a vet assistant for two years after I graduated from undergrad. And I applied to vet school twice within that time, got in the second time, which was crazy. I didn't think I was going to get in at all. Mm -hmm. And once I got that acceptance letter, I took a step back and was like, okay, what do we need to do to like put yourself in the best situation possible to succeed? And I knew that part of that was the ADHD diagnosis that was hanging over my head. Mm -hmm. um, and so <laughs> I went to the Winston Center in Spokane, Washington, which was a hop, skip, and a jump away from Gonzaga's campus. Um, it was super convenient. And went in, sat with the psychiatrist in one session, actually. Didn't require multiple sessions. Wow. Um, sat down with him and... 
it was a conversation similar to this. Like, uh, you know, he wasn't sitting with a script and it wasn't super rigid. It was like a conversation. And that was really nice because I think talking about something so sensitive, if you make the conversation really like structured and rigid, like it's hard to access those parts of your brain and really kind of reflect on what's going on. It's like when someone comes up to you and they're like, so how are you feeling? It's like every thought you've ever had leaves your brain and you're like, I don't know how I'm feeling. Yeah. Or fine. And like, you're not really answering the question. Right. Right. So it's like if somebody comes up to you and they're like, do you think you have ADHD? Mm. You're like, I think so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like you, you just like get in your own brain about it. But this guy was really cool. He was talking to me and kind of just said like an open question, like, how do you function on a regular day? And do you have any things that make it hard to function on a regular day, like within yourself? And so I just laid out everything. I laid out like all these symptoms that I had and I can go into them if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I know that women's symptoms can be different than men's. And my symptoms were more on the inattentive side um, because ADHD is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And so there's two parts to it. There's like an inattention, which is, you know, difficulty focusing and not wandering eyes like your relationship. Yeah. Keep your eyes on yourself (laughs) and your partner. Yeah. So everyone with ADHD cheats. Yeah. Uh, That's actually factual. It's a PubMed, actually. PubMed query about that. Did you use the bucket method? (laughs) T-I. Only we're going to know about that. Your bucket (laughs) method. Okay. Um, But yeah, so for the inattentive side, there's a lack of focus. There's a lot of daydreaming. There's forgetfulness, um, misplacing things, short-term memory sucks, sucks so bad. And that's a lot of what I have. I also have some of the hyperactive, not as much, but the hyperactive is more you always have to be doing something, you can't sit still, you're fidgeting, you're impatient if you have to wait in line for something forget about it like the dmv is very hard for people Mm. who have that hyperactiveness because you're supposed to sit or you're supposed to stand in this one line and not move it's very hard that's why they made triple a right 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 (laughs) for adhd people (laughs) yeah well i've got that i'm checking off boxes right now the a in adhd is for triple a i have heard that it's it's a factual type (laughs) As my mom says. Yeah, a factual type of fact. Yeah, my mom says. I always say it's a fact I just made up. (laughs) But yeah, um, so in terms of my ADHD, I have more of the inattentive type. And it was, it's been hard, but the diagnosis really helped because they actually gave me a whole analysis on like how I was doing. Apparently, I got like, eight out of nine for inattention and a seven out of nine for hyperactive and okay for the inattention 
how do they test that? Is there like a guy like behind the guy and he's like has a fishing pole and he's just like casting <laughs> and like he counts how many times you look at the guy casting behind you while you're talking <laughs> to him? Or like how do they determine that? You know, at first I didn't really understand it either, but they sent me like a 10 or 8 page oh my like she PDF. Is, she is showing me a Miller manual to her <laughs> mind right now. They were, wow. I felt analyzed, but. Yeah, they really got in your mind. They did. So I want to say it's more so like a checklist. Yeah. And they they would check off the list if I hit certain symptoms in mm-hmm. certain categories. So there's like these telltale symptoms in these different categories, like forgetfulness and losing things and poor short-term memory are super characteristic of inattention. And so I think <laughs> if I gave enough examples to them and they asked me enough questions, they would confirm like, right. okay, yes, this person has poor short-term mm-hmm. memory. This person is very forgetful. Okay. And then so I, it's not an active, ongoing study. It's kind of you filling them in with X amount of things that happen in your day. Right. Or telling them certain things like, I have to read a page in a, in my paper like 17 times before I rec- like retain it kind of thing. Right, yeah. It, it actually was divided up into like me personally at almost like a POV. Mm-hmm. Like how does your mind work? What are these symptoms that you're seeing? Yeah. And then the second part was more developmental and he actually asked me questions about how I was like as a kid. Wow. Uh, which is interesting a lot of ADHD research and diagnosis is done on children. Mm-hmm. So when I came into this center and I was like a 23-year-old person oh. sitting in a waiting room of kids. Dude, you were a super senior. <laughs> oh, my God. I was the kid who didn't ever graduate high school. Look, Mommy, there's a tall eight-year-old. Why does she have a driver's license? <laughs> is she smoking a cigarette? What is that? It was a tough break, kid. I got eight out of nine. <laughs> you want to end up like me? <laughs> Enjoy the fifth grade while it lasts. <laughs> Literally. Wow. So that's crazy. So it was basically like you are finding all this out where like parents are like putting their kids in it because now it's more of a thing that's talked about. Whereas back when you were probably younger, it wasn't that, you know, that exactly finely detailed to diagnose at the center that you're at which is cool so you're this 23 year old in there and you're going through this whole paragraphs and paragraphs of things that you just showed me so you scored eight out of nine on the what was the scale again it was eight out of nine inattention see i didn't even get that that's there's (laughs) there's a checkbox for me so the inattention scale eight out of nine and then the second one was which one the hyperactive hyperactive seven out of nine Okay. And then what else you got? Give me your stats. You're like a like a WNBA player right now. She was the MVP in ADHD. What's the over under on this next one? My uh, total fouls was. (laughs) I do have a a joke about waterfowl and ducks. If you want to hear it. Oh yeah, let's hear it. Um. So if a duck causes a penalty in sports, is that a waterfowl? Yes. Is that your waterfowl joke? 
It's, uh, it's not even like a question and answer. It's just like a thought. Factual. <laughs> a factual uh, type of fact. That's like the first thing you told your therapist and he's like, yep, ADHD. Which I think I did crack a couple jokes in that mm-hmm. diagnosis, like Zoom session. And I made him laugh and oh, that was a win. Mm-hmm. God, I think uh, I deal a lot with my symptoms with comedy Mm -hmm. because it just makes it lighter. Comedic relief, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of numbers on here that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. But basically by the end of the session, he was like, yeah, you're in the 99th percentile. Wow. And I was like, so I passed. Yeah. You were like, that's the first 99 I've ever gotten in my life. He's like, when I'm not, no, you're the top 1%. (laughs) There's only, there's 99% that are worse than you or or better than you, I guess, in that. I guess it was more like, I think it was like a percentage, Mm -hmm. like, like you are 99% ADHD. Yeah. So what's the 1%? Am I, it's the 1%, like the normal part of me that I can like put a mask on every day? Yeah, Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? It was just kind of crazy because I remember coming into that Zoom meeting and I was like, I don't know if I have ADHD. I have a hunch, but mm-hmm. like I could be dramatic and I might not be a thing. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, you're in the 99th mm-hmm. percentile out of 100. I was like, okay, great. That's yeah, cool. Thanks, Dad. What What did that feel like? Like coming out of there, like, did you... F- did you feel because you you kind of encouraged yourself to go through this or did your parents or family or friends were no. were they supportive of you like hey you should get look into this or did you sit there and say hey I got into vet school but I need to like you said before I need to let's try to fix this let's try to find out what's going on yeah so my parents were kind of in denial mm-hmm. about the whole thing I remember I was talking to my parents about it and I was asking my dad, like, hey, do you think you have ADHD? Very innocently mm-hmm. asking him. And he got mad. He was, like, upset that I threw this, like, weakness at him because mm-hmm. I think he sees it as a weakness. Sure. And that was really hard because if he had just opened up a little bit more, we could have talked about our symptoms together mm-hmm. and... I'm like 99% sure I got my symptoms from him. So it was uh, it was tough. I, it was definitely a, a journey that I did on my own. I started it on my own. I, I, I mean, they helped me pay for it, but that's about as much support as they showed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got the accommodation letter for vet school saying that I could get extended testing time and like an isolated study room that they were like, oh, there's the benefit. Yeah. Now it's, now I see why you did it. Now it makes sense. And it, that was kind of tough because it was like, well, I mean, I, I, I wasn't trying to get this diagnosis for only my studies. Like I'm a human and I'm going to finish school one day and I got to know like how my brain works. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of tough. My dad doesn't like to talk about it. But I think he definitely has it for sure. Yeah. That must have been hard. Yeah. Especially if you're close with your parents, you know, growing up, if you have a good relationship with them and maybe there's some things they don't understand that 
old school minds. I mean, when we get older and we have kids or we talk to young people, there's going to be things that we don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of finding that commonality of wanting to help each other should be the mindset that we have. But I can understand, like, seeing that as a sign of weakness and saying, I don't have that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's it's totally a normal response. I'm not, like, flabbergasted that you just said that, but it's so hard. Like, it must have been really hard for you because the whole point is you just, you want to feel better. Like, you want to understand yourself more because when you do, it makes everything easier. Like, it makes you more able to tackle things or figure and understand things. Like, why why they are the way they are. Right, right, exactly. And I think there is a testament to that whole boomer generation that didn't really get parents who understood the importance of mental health and would laugh at the idea of sending their kid to get a diagnosis like that. I feel like they might have even had a point of view that it was similar to like a terminal illness. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they I, I felt like they heard the word diagnosis and that was like a bad word that had all these negative connotations to it. But I think that the generation now we are able to like open our eyes a little bit more and see like actually diagnosing helps you improve your life overall and figure out who you are, how your brain and your body works and how you can adjust your life accordingly to your own brain. Because I think that society a lot of the time wants us to adjust to their like limitations and rules, but I think it should be the exact opposite. Like, you know, <laughs> I go shopping and if they don't have my pant size, my first thought is, oh, something's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, like they should have every pant size available. There's something wrong with them. Yeah. And I think the same thing applies where it's like, you know, everything, every person is unique. And just because somebody's different than somebody else doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. It's yeah. just different. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's something our parents might not fully understand and something they're scared of. Yeah. And it's very hard for them to think and talk about things that they're scared of. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, still your father, you know, like who wants to like be quote unquote weak, like you said, like seeing as such a crippling thing, like, I'm sorry, but you've been diagnosed with ADHD. You're going to die. Like, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> <the> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up our life insurance, honey. Like, I, I, I think that's so true. I think there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of misunderstandings. And if we're able to educate each other and hopefully by you getting help, they can see just how much more beneficial it is. You know, maybe look into their own lives, but when you're not pressed with those questions, when you go through every day and you don't seek those answers, you're never going to get them. Right, you know? right, exactly. And I, I think a hard part was nobody was really supporting me at the time that I was trying to get the diagnosis, but now I have way more support now that I have this knowledge about it, mm-hmm. like I've had multiple friends come up to me and ask me like, what is it like to have ADHD? Like, I think I might have it. Or um, I've been able to kind of talk to my dad about it as well when he's, you know, in a good mood and mm-hmm. wants to talk about it. But 
it's so funny now that things have changed and I have more knowledge about it and because I'm comfortable with it other people are starting to become comfortable with it too so um it's interesting yeah like I've had some vet med friends kind of ask about the whole experience as they have it so I don't want people to be misconstrued or led on to believe that they may suffer from something like forgetfulness, right? Because I think there's there's a big difference from people that suffer from ADHD or certain neurodivergency and people that are just going through life like a normal human, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you forget your keys, like where you placed them, that doesn't mean you have ADHD, you know? Right, right. And I think that's a hard thing and probably where this confirmed going to your appointment and like having a professional thoroughly dissect every aspect of your life to the beginning really solidifies. So if you are curious and if you're like hearing all these things that we're talking about and you're saying, I do exactly all of those things, we are not medical professionals. Let me just preface that. And you should seek somebody if you are curious because the worst thing that can happen is you actually find the answer, right? And that can be bad for people that don't want to have this thing. Or it can be a good thing where you have it and you understand it a little bit more. Or they blatantly just say, no, you don't, you don't have it. You just need to get a key ring because you keep losing, keep losing your keys, you, you doink. So I just want, if you're listening, I want you to understand the whole point of talking about this is to encourage more people to have that curiosity if they are confused about it. If, if they're like, hey, like I am suffering and I don't really know why or how. Speak out. Yeah. Ask questions. Absolutely. Cause, and I think that it's not something that you can necessarily just shrug by and ignore and it'll get better over time. It actually kind of deteriorates your mind over time and your memory gets worse and your inattention gets worse. And if you don't develop the skills and have the knowledge you need at the beginning of your life or at the beginning of your journey, wherever you're at, it's just going to make it so much harder down the line when mm -hmm. you're struggling and grasping at straws just to figure out how to remember to take out the trash bins on Sunday nights, you know? Like, I can see it in my dad, for sure. My yeah. dad. My dad doesn't even remember my friends' names anymore. He barely remembers what city I live in sometimes or like what the address is like. You know how like mm -hmm. you'll live in the same city, right. but you'll move to like a different street or something. Like mm -hmm. he'll forget what kind of situation I'm living in. He'll forget my roommates. Um, and another part of it is I will talk to him and remind him of these things. And I'll say like, I already told you that and he'll get mad. Yeah. And I think that's part of the non-acceptance that's happening. So I think number one, you kind of need to accept what's happening and yeah. something, some not that something's not right, but that something's going on that you need to dig deeper about. Yeah. And once you do that and you go to an appointment um, they can give you a lot of helpful tools. Um, you usually do need to go to therapy, at least for a little bit, just to 
use some tools to help emotionally regulate yourself Mm -hmm. because a lot of times in ADHD, people have trouble emotionally regulating themselves. They get angry really quickly. They have periods where they're really, really happy and then really, really sad. And uh, the anger is probably the biggest piece to it, I would say. Um, These like, because when you're, you're neurodivergent, you have these moments where you get really irritable and that irritability can grow into anger and grow into outbursts and that's unfortunate for the people around you. It's unfortunate for yourself because you're letting your emotions get the best of you, Mm -hmm. but it's also unfortunate for the people around you who are receiving all of that anger that they don't necessarily deserve. Yeah. So emotional regulation is a huge part of it as well, which is why you usually have to go to therapy and get some medication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where you um you see that a lot with with young children. You you can you can definitely that the anger, the outbursts are and again going back to it's such a hard fine line where you're in denial or you're correct because a lot of times like people listening probably say, "Well, they're just being a kid. Like they don't they don't they don't have the emotional intelligence yet. They haven't developed it. That's why they're having an outburst because they normally get the iPad and mom didn't give them the iPad." And so they're having an outburst because they want the iPad. And yes, there is that. And then there is the, I'm having an outburst because you're not processing things properly. You're not, you know, and utilizing the proper tools because you haven't developed them or you never will develop them if you don't get help. So I like that, that you kind of talk about the outburst thing because you can see it in kids. And like you said, at the facility you went to was primarily with kids because this is not a new, uh, I would say, like, disability. Do we classify it as a disability? Yeah, I, w- I would say so because I think the word disability usually in the mainstream has negative connotations mm-hmm. to it. But it, it, I mean, by definition, it is an inability sure. to focus or yeah. pay attention or... Um, an inability to wait, to be patient. Mm -hmm. So I think that the more acceptance there is either within yourself, if you think you have it, or acceptance in the community about what ADHD is, the better that we're all going to be at the end. And the less divide there's going to be between neurotypical people and neurodivergent people. Because I think sometimes... I, at least for me, I'm very hyper aware of right. neurodivergent people versus neurotypical people because I can see it now. But it's almost like if we're aware of our differences and accept them at the same time, it'll make life a lot easier for everybody. What does that, what does that feel like? Like to know you have this thing, right? And like know you're harnessing it now. What does it feel like when you're around other people or you're doing things? Like, do you feel different or do you just say, like, this is who I am now? Like, I I understand it and I'm going to roll the punches and let's get going. Yeah, that's a great question because I do feel different than most people. And I feel like I've always kind of been a little different than people. I think because of the types of diagnoses that I have, 
my brain works a little slower than other people. And so in those moments that I'm trying to catch up, that's when my anxiety comes in. Mm -hmm. So in the moments where I'm taking an extra two seconds to remember, you know, the vocabulary word that I'm supposed to know for the quiz when, you know, like back in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. In those moments where I'm sifting through my mind, I'm looking through my memory, I'm trying my best to to find that stupid vocabulary word in the back of my brain. It was onomatopoeia. Exactly. <laughs> what was it? Iridocyclitis. Uh, no, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually I think we know. We do. Iridocyclitis yeah. is like a eye pathology. That is true. Um, but in those moments where I would be searching for whatever piece of information I need to remember, my anxiety would come in and would say, you should know this. Why don't you know this? Everybody else has already answered. So things like Kahoot, Ooh. where you have a timed question. Ooh, that sounds like your nightmare. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love Kahoots. They're super fun. They have music. There's pretty colors. There's pictures. You play with your friends. So when I do Kahoots, I'm very casual about mm -hmm. it. But... When there's like prizes on the line, like oh, yeah. whoever wins this Kahoot in Parasitology Club is mm -hmm. going to get a gift card to Amazon, I already am like, okay, I'm not going to get that gift card. Yeah. No, <laughs> I saw you throw a chair through a window. Yeah. <laughs> I actually shut down the entire projector mm -hmm. and threw it in a puddle. Don't mess with you. Exactly. That's funny. But yeah, it's... Because I, I want to say that a huge part of ADHD is you can be diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And I for sure have anxiety. And I think a lot of that comes through in those moments where there is that little deficit where I don't remember something or I lost something or I misplaced something or I was doing too many things at once and then broke something. I do that a lot where I'm really clumsy. And if I do too many things at one time, then I'll like accidentally, like my hand will brush against something and spill a drink or break a glass on the floor. Mm -hmm. And then those moments are usually triggers for me where my anger just shoots through the roof mm -hmm. and it's anger at myself. Yeah. Um, I do think a lot of people with ADHD have like, I don't know if it's like higher rates, but I think people with ADHD have higher tendencies to be insecure or be hard on themselves. And I think a lot of it has to do with that comparison to society. Oh, yeah. Neurotypicals. It's like, why aren't I good enough? Why can't I just remember things like everybody else? Why do I have to keep fidgeting whenever I'm nervous? Like, why can't I just be like Becky, the mm -hmm. cheer captain, who where everything's perfect all the time and she's never sad? Mm -hmm. So, okay, so that, that I I love that you put it in terms like that because it's so there's such a wide range of it. Like ADHD, I feel like it's such a wide range, and like harnessing it into kind of more the more specifics that you talk about is really helpful to a lot of people that are considering it. So considering finding out that they've been considering it, I'm going to get some ADHD. Would you like to try ADHD? For two ninety nine, dollars yeah. For each 30-day trial. Yeah, literally. 
So I like that you put it like that. What do you have to say to somebody that is now curious about it? Like, what should they do? Go in a corner and cry. <laughs> You're not supposed to say the truth. Okay. What do they do? Um, blame your parents. <laughs> uh, no, I would say to anyone who thinks they have ADHD or even knows that they have ADHD, just know that like you're valid and you're not the problem. I, I think a lot of society tries to make you feel like you're inferior because you're different. And being different is what makes you unique and not a Becky, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> like, you know, that one listener that's Becky is really not going to so, like this episode. If your name's Becky, this is nothing personal. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. Like, yeah. And, and get diagnosed for sure, mm -hmm. because I think the notion of, not knowing and be having that big what if just get that out of the way yeah and if you get that diagnosis there are so many good things that can come from that i know it's scary to have this label this notion put over you that can feel daunting and you don't know what it's going to be like and you're worried that your life's going to change and people are going to see you differently but you're still the same person yeah. before the appointment and after the appointment. Mm -hmm. The only difference is that you know what's happening in your brain. And now that you know what's happening in your brain, you can go and get these tools to help you make your life better. Like yeah. you can go to therapy, work on emotional regulation. You can get medications that will help you focus. I'm on stimulants, mm -hmm. so they help me focus in school. And you can get accommodations for testing if you're in school. Like I get extended testing time in an isolated study room. Best decision I've ever made mm -hmm. just for that alone. Yeah. But um, it's it's hard to want to help yourself if you're in a hard place. Yeah. But once you help yourself and get to where you have all these tools, your life is going to be so much better. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So outside of outside of vet med and everything else that we're going through, you are an avid comedian and a wonderful actress. How do you balance ADHD with comedy? With I mean, so far we've been laughing, right? We've been throwing in jabs here and there. Is that like a mechanism for you? Have you have you realized that's like a coping mechanism? That's like a way to express yourself? That's just your personality? Like, how did you even like get into acting now? Yeah, yeah. So I would say that comedy is definitely a route for me to let out all those crazy thoughts and feelings that I have within a day's work. Mm -hmm. Because I like to think of it as someone with ADHD has 10 times as many thoughts as someone who doesn't. And all of those extra little thoughts that are happening at the speed of light in the back of my brain, I get to kind of live those out in comedy and improv. Um, I think that if I did more so stand-up or even theater that's scripted, that would kind of be the wrong comedy for me personally because that involves memorization. Uh -huh. And we all know that my memory is not the best. Uh -huh. So 
There's a little memory ASMR. Yeah, you sound but, like the, the girl from um, Inside Out. You sound like the girl from Inside Out. I hate my life. I'm not gonna, sadness. Sadness. I'm not going to go anywhere today. It's cloudy out. She wears like the ugliest sweater. She just well, doesn't move her arms when she walks. There's no point in moving my arms. They didn't have to make her look like me. That's all I'm saying. You do look like her. <laughs> you are sadness. If I wore Aww. an oversized sweater, my my glass, I already have the glasses. Mm-hmm. I just have to get like a side swipe bob yeah. and I'm there. A new Halloween costume and paint yourself blue apparently. <laughs> right. right. Like, what's that weird looking avatar? <laughs> She's actually sadness. Is that a depressed smurf? <laughs> That's a really big eight-year-old. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Rel- relinquish your memories. Long-term memory works great. <laughs> and that's so. I love that. I love that you do comedy. I love that you go to comedy shows and act in them. And you're actively a part of a community where you feel comfortable, safe, and you can express yourself because that's got to help you tremendously in your schoolwork. Because like you said, it's that outlet, the avenue of being able to decompress and say, Here's my million thoughts that are going through my head, especially with improv. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that I've kind of described it to my improv friends before where I come to improv to express more of the right side of my brain because school is all left side brain. Like Mm -hmm. it's logical and analytical and structured and with someone with ADHD, that's very hard to maintain for a suspended amount of time or a, for a sustained amount of time. And I, God, it's just so hard sometimes to just do basic tasks. Like if I know that I'm going to wake up and my day is the exact same as the previous day, twice as hard for me to get out of bed as oh, yeah. a normal person it, it, at least I think mm. you know I mean we all struggle but if, if I have those outlets where I can look forward to being completely and utterly myself and say whatever is on my mind and be whoever I want to be that is just huge it's mm-hmm. it's almost essential I don't think I'd be able to go to vet school if I didn't have improv, if I didn't have that outlet. There's a lot of masking that goes on. I think that's another part of neurodivergency Mm -hmm. where you put on this mask to appear neurotypical because if you're unapologetically neurodivergent, that's a turnoff for people, which is like so fucked up. Like, If I was as excited and as exuberant with all my emotions all the time than I am in my head, I think people would get really tired of me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I think they'd be like, can Justine take a chill pill? Like, Mm -hmm. is she good? Does she have an energy drink? (laughs) And it's like, no, that's just me, baby. Like, you should see how fast this mind runs. My body doesn't run fast, but Mm -hmm. my mind does. Mm -hmm. So it's a very important part for me to express myself that way. And it also channels how I was like as a kid. I would always write stories as a kid. Mm-hmm. And when I'd play with my dolls, it'd be like a whole movie scene. Like there'd be moving parts and transitions and 
a scene in this location and that location. And I okay, think... Okay, Spielberg. <laughs> it, my parents would listen through the door at me playing with my toys and they'd be like, oh my God, she's like, it's like the sequel to Home Alone or something. Like, what is happening in there? It was like, you don't even know, man. I've got 10,000 more ideas in the mm. back of my head, um, which is like a blessing and a curse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'll never be alone. <laughs> you always have your thoughts. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. How, how do you see that translating to when you become a veterinarian? I feel like when I become a vet, it's also going to be important for me to have some kind of outlet I don't know if I'm going to have as much time to go to improv and be part of a cast and be in shows like I am now. I'm technically not in shows now, not yet, but I will be soon. Um, I'm a newbie, mm -hmm. but um, I feel like I'm going to need some kind of outlet when I'm a vet, whether it's I go to an improv class once in a while, or I do regular painting and ceramics. I am a very creative person, and I think that, I I mean, I'm not good at tooting my own horn or, like, being arrogant. Like, that's not my thing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like one of my strong suits is being able to access both sides of my brain, like, to be really, really yeah. creative and have all these ideas and also be really analytical and logical and be able to dissect a situation like we do in class. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I need to keep exercising in my brain. And it's probably a requirement at this point. Yeah. Um, but it'll make for an interesting life. So yeah. I, I'll never be a vet that's just, you know, bored at home watching Netflix all the time. I'll have a balance for sure. Sure. I think that's great. I think that's good that you have your eyes set on the prize and now you have the tools and the, the different therapeutics to get through what you need to get through and it's going to make you one hell of a vet because you're prepared. Yeah, I, I you know? hope so. Oh, yeah, for sure. It will. You don't have to hope about that. You will. <laughs> so what's what's the goal? What's the veterinary goal? What do you want to do? Well, I would say that right now I just want to get through some GP stuff. Mm. Like, I just want to know my basics and be able to have some general GP knowledge. Um, GP is general practice, um, for those who don't know. But in terms of, like, big ideas and dreams and, you know, if I actually put in the work and mm. believe in myself, I would want to specialize in dentistry. Mm -hmm. um, potentially have like a, fo a focus more on felines like cats because mm -hmm. I do feel like I understand cats really well and I didn't know there were so many people out there that don't understand cats like mm -hmm. in my mind because I can read emotions so well and pick up on subtext so well I feel like I can read cats like a book mm -hmm. and I'll be at home with my cat and I'll be like look mom Tiki's so curious about da 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 da. She'll be like, "Oh, I thought he was just staring off in the distance." He's just licking his butt, Justine. <laughs> <laughs> Justine, he's not doing anything. Stop telling me to look at the cat. You're like, okay, this girl is. This girl needs entertainment. Did you take your meds today? <laughs> it's like the second thing she asked. 
Well, that's cool. I mean, I'm excited to see what your future brings you. So I do have one last question that might get your brain going. If you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be and why? Um, This is also a question I've gotten a lot before. And I have two different answers for two different reasons. I feel like I'm a cat, like a regular house cat, Mm -hmm. because I... (laughs) I go through these motions where I either really love you or I need space and don't touch me. Mm-hmm. But I also like love very simple entertainment. Like y- like a cat just needs like a toy mouse and they're good for three hours. Right. Like, that's me, but with like Netflix or like a Rubik's Cube or something very simple. Like mm-hmm. usually it's painting. It's like, mm-hmm. you just give me this very simple thing, boom, I'm I'm gone. Like, mm-hmm. my brain is entertained. Um, I also love naps. I also am cute. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, I feel like I understand cats also, so that's like an automatic answer. Okay. I respect that. Another answer that I have is a giraffe because, um, I mean, on the outside, they're very tall and awkward and mm-hmm. lanky and... Um, they kind of just look funny mm-hmm. and I relate to that. Like, I feel like, oh yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that. Exactly. Right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, um, I'm actually a human giraffe sitting mm-hmm. in this chair. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I had to buy 13 extensions to my boom mic to reach her. My head is actually outside mm-hmm. of the building and my neck is through the ceiling. Hey, Justine, what's the weather like up there? The clouds look beautiful today. I don't know why that's my giraffe voice. But um, in terms of more than just externally, I feel like they also can have a very chill side and they're just going along for the ride. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's me when I take my meds. <laughs> yeah. You feel pretty chill and yeah, calm, like, cool, calm, and collected. I, I do try to go about life where I'm just going with the punches and see where things take me because if I get a little too anxious or think about it too hard I start to worry about things that are happening five years from now Mm -hmm. but it's almost like I'm trying to channel more of my giraffe energy of just like going with the flow enjoying the trees and grazing and ruminating I love that beautiful well what do you say to the people that are like, hey, I want to get in touch with Justine. How can they reach you? What's your Instagram handle? You want to drop it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just know that everybody's going to be following me after this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get s- not certified, verified. Mm-hmm. Um, my Instagram is at just C77 because it's like Justine Cooper. And then my birthday is July 7th. So mm-hmm. at just C77. Um, my social security number. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Give me that off the air. It boosts my credit score. Well, thanks for coming on the show today and talking about stuff that matters and opening up and being transparent. I think more people out there are going to be more curious after listening to this. And I, again, can't wait to see what our futures bring us. And I'm so incredibly proud of you. So oh, thank you. I'm proud of you too. Hey, love it. Take care. Thank you. Another amazing episode on Veterinary Vibes, the podcast where we vibe so you can thrive. Don't forget to 
to leave a review and hit the follow button. If you want to reach out to us, hit us up at veterinaryvibespodcast at gmail.com. All right, take care.